Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. On this episode, investigating the attempted coup against the president. Now we have the irony of a group of people bound and determined to find President Trump guilty of obstruction of justice. And now what are they doing? They are committing acts of obstruction of justice far more clear than the rather ethereal theories that they come up with in the Mueller report. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, Go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Attorney, author John O'Connor returns to the program to discuss the DOJ's ongoing investigation of Operation Crossfire Hurricane, the FBI's fraudulent investigation into alleged Russian collusion in the Trump campaign. We'll talk about the recent revelation that more than two dozen cell phones belonging to members of special counsel Robert Mueller's team were wiped clean of their data before the Justice Department's Inspector General could check them. We'll also talk about former Washington Post journalist Bob Woodward's latest book, Rage, in which he alleges President Trump downplayed the coronavirus pandemic. John O'Connor is an experienced trial lawyer practicing law in San Francisco. He's tried cases in state and federal court throughout the country. He served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California, representing the United States in both criminal and civil cases. Among his interesting assignments was representing Mark Felt regarding the revelation of his identity as Deep Throat. 
He's the author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. Hey, John, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Uh, Good to talk to you again, Richard. Yeah. About a week ago, we found out that members of Mueller's investigative team that were investigating the supposed Russian collusion, they were to turn in their, their phones, and it turns out dozens of them were wiped. In some cases, they claimed accidentally. In other cases, they were returned to factory settings, as in the case of Lisa Page. What's going on over there? Well... Richard, I think it's really, really interesting, just by way of background, when all this is going on and the people that are uh, investigating collusion, for example, in the government are actually colluding with Russians themselves uh, in the Steele dossier, which is all Russian disinformation. Now we have the irony of a group of people bound to determine to find President Trump guilty of obstruction of justice. And now what are they doing? They are committing acts of obstruction of justice far more clear than the rather ethereal uh, theories that they come up with in the, in the Mueller report. Um, this is flat out obstruction. Uh, no, there's another question and we can talk about it later as to whether there can be proof of intentionality beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, but, they are clearly obstructing justice. Um, The timing of this is so clear that it is after Horowitz, uh, well, it may not be Horowitz, but whoever it is had located the texts of um, Page and Stroke. And I think Horowitz was on the case at the time uh, and was beginning to look into this. Once that happened, all of a sudden everybody's phones get wiped. So the timing of this would suggest, of course, number one, concerted action by these folks, which they would uh, gladly say was conspiracy in the case of Trump. And number two, they're conspiring to obstruct justice uh, because any investigation that has been opened or, as they say in the Mueller report, is anticipated to be opened in the near future. It doesn't it need not be a formal investigation at the time, but any sense that there is an ongoing investigation, which I think there was, now you have an investigation. So uh, you have a predicate investigation. You have a link to the investigation that is needed to have obstruction of justice. You have to have something to obstruct. So what they're doing is they're obstructing uh, the IG's investigation. Now, clearly. Would, well, would, yeah. would those phones, would there have been a subpoena issued for those phones? Would there, been, would there have been a preservation of evidence order issued? No, I don't think so. Uh, but but as, as noted <laughs> in the special counsel's report, in the Mueller report, you don't need that. You don't need that for obstruction. As a matter of fact, if your audience would look in the Mueller report, they would see that when they're trying to get Trump for obstructing when he fired Comey, and in Comey, there was no, quote, proceeding, unquote, being carried out. The Russian counterintelligence investigation, the counterintelligence investigation is not a proceeding. But they said uh, that, gee, if he thought, and I agree with this, if he thought that there might be a criminal investigation coming up that might be opened in the future, that could be obstruction. And that's a correct statement of the law. You can obstruct, for instance, you can hide evidence before 
the sheriff actually starts asking you questions. Okay, that's obstruction of justice. Now, uh, now it, it was very tenuous in the case of the, uh, uh, the Comey firing. I mean, it's just a bunch of nonsense. He fired Comey because he didn't like him. But the, and he wouldn't announce uh, that Trump was not a target. But it had nothing to do with the criminal proceeding. Now, in this case, there was a proceeding. It need not be a criminal one. It could be just a, an administrative investigation. So there was clearly a tether to an investigation. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So the only question is, let me, for your audience, let me make this clear. What you have to find for a criminal act is uh, an intentional act with, that is to say, an act with criminal intent um, proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, uh, is O.J. Simpson guilty of killing his wife? According to the jury, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but according to another jury, yes, by a preponderance of the evidence, and to get punitive damages, yes, by clear and convincing evidence. So my point is there are various standards of proof that are applicable. Uh, so I think clearly, and I've been thinking about this, that they are guilty of intentionally destroying their phones for the purpose of evading uh, investigation. Uh, and now the only question is, can you prove it beyond a reasonable doubt? I think it's going to be tough because I think each one of these people will lie. They're smart people. When they did it, they knew they would have their stories. Uh, and so now, is it provable by preponderance of the evidence? I would say so. So in any kind of civil proceeding, it's provable. Now, uh, can it be proven criminally? Somebody's going to have to break, frankly, Richard. Uh, the evidence almost gets to a criminal uh, conviction, but if I were a prosecutor, I'd say I'm probably not going to get a conviction, especially in the District of Columbia, where, you know, 90 percent, 80 percent of the people are registered Democrats. Uh, it's going to be a tough to sell into a jury. There, <laughs> oh, just getting stymied at every turn here. But it, it seems, I mean, here we have investigators that that would have been trained in handling evidence, uh, their own phones contain evidence and yet they accidentally wipe them or accidentally reset them to factory settings is that what we're led to believe it just it 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 strains all credulity well it certainly does uh, no no you can't believe it that's why i say it's clearly provable you could go into court tomorrow and prove this case to a jury uh, by a preponderance of the evidence when you know the normal cases when you bring in court civil cases can you say and the jury would probably think that in the criminal case, uh, let's say there are, I don't know how many people are involved in all this. I've heard 27 phones. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how many and how many people are involved, but let's say there are, let's say there are 20 lawyers involved. I don't know. Let's say there are 20 lawyers. I think the jury's going to think, well, at least 18 of them probably did it on purpose. The problem is, you know, there might be somebody in there who actually you can't believe. And which one is it? It's like an Agatha Christie novel. Who's, <laughs> and rather than who's guilty, who's, who's innocent? Uh, and so it is. It strains all credulity. They did it all at the same time. And after they had uncovered uh, the stroke text page, uh, stroke page text, 300, so, 375 and the, of them, actually. Right, right. And in and, and, and all of the, this wiping of the phones, all of this destruction took concerted effort 
and it was all done at the same time. In other, in order to wipe your phone, I mean, I've put in my wrong passcode several times in my old age, but I've never quite done it ten times in a row, and I've never had my phone wiped. I just now find out that that would happen. But you have to go out of your way to wipe a phone with those things, and then you also have to intentionally put things back to factory settings. So the suspicion is high. And especially given the timing that all did it simultaneously, the suspicion is very high. And I think, uh, again, if it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, it's certain, we would all say it's probably even clear and convincing, which is kind of a, an additional standard. It's by clear and convincing evidence these people obstructed justice, right as they are uh, assigned by our country to be investigating obstruction of justice. They're committing an act far more heinous far more clear, far more palpable than anything President Trump did. Think of this for irony. You know, in a case in which <laughs> there's far more connections with the Russians and Russian insiders and Russian information to help one candidate on the side of Hillary Clinton than on the side of Donald Trump, but yet they're investigating President Trump, then they're investigating him for obstruction, and they're obstructing far more <laughs> Uh, clearly than he is. I mean, you can't make this up, Richard. This is just really amazing. Right, right. Um, and I, I, I know that at the risk of beating a dead horse, but, you know, again, Hillary Clinton, in, in this case, she was subpoenaed, and yet she, you know, her 30,000 emails destroyed using bleach bit, phones willfully and <laughs> destroyed with, you know, uh, with uh, with hammers, uh I mean, how how is she able to walk on that? Well, what they did was, and this again is all an inside job, which our watchdog press uh, decided they would be a lapdog once more. They might have taken sleeping pills at the time, but what Comey did was, and uh, the 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 other people in the Justice Department, I guess it, uh, I'm not sure who the Attorney General was at the time, uh, but they gave. Uh, the people who actually did the destruction, they gave them immunity. And, 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 but they did not require them to roll over on uh, the people who told them to do it. And so uh, I'm not sure what answers they gave, but they did not roll over. And they got immunity. <laughs> so uh, Clinton, you, you, you could not prove that she had ordered them to destroy this stuff and also of course she also said somewhat you know uh tendentiously that uh you know that the only thing on those emails were you know her yoga stuff and things about uh, her daughter's wedding it's hard to believe that but yet it was after a subpoena was issued and as soon as the subpoena is issued boom now it just so happens that on those emails would be emails that she would be sending and receiving in her capacity as a state, as Secretary of State. Gosh, right about the time that the Clinton Foundation was getting $145 million in contributions from people closely associated with Uranium One, which was the vehicle uh, which Vladimir Putin purchased to take control of the world's uranium, in which he has the, um, you know, the, the Titan's grip on right now. Uh, he has very, very strong strategic advantage because of what Hillary Clinton did there to get that $145 million. And those texts, those messages, uh, email messages and so forth, 
would probably shed light on her attitudes toward the Uranium One sale and what she was seeking and what she wanted and so forth, and so on, and what she knew. And that's not the only thing, of course, that would be involved in those. In those and there, there are probably uh, many things like that, but on a lower scale. Uh, but so yet we, we let her get away with that. And that's because our press just does not want to watch. If the press was outraged and shone light on this, then there would have been an investigation. They wouldn't have been able to um, get these people, uh, uh, you know, immunity, and uh, and we would actually have something. But we didn't, and so she got away once again with a felony. It's amazing how many felonies she's gotten away with. People f- may forget that in the her husband's contratemps, she was the one that was really the most guilty part uh, party. Uh, and the country was so exhausted by the Clinton impeachment proceedings that by the time uh, Robert Ray was appointed to be the successor special counsel, independent counsel after Kenneth Starr, he, uh, on the urging of everybody, just sort of dropped all the all the stuff against Hillary Clinton, but issued a very good report in which you read it and you say, okay, she's guilty of probably three felonies here at least from the Robert Ray report. Anybody can read it. It's a public document. So she got away with felonies there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, She lied under oath to Congress. Uh, She had helped defraud the FDIC as a lawyer for Jim McDougal, who had a phony uh, SNL, and she did all kinds of stuff corruptly and then lied about it. Uh, And she said she just didn't remember working on this case. So she has a long list of felonies that she's gotten away with, and it's really, really terrible uh, because our press just doesn't do much about it. Well, in in running interference for Hillary over the emails, were they not also protecting President Obama? Because we know from FBI records he used a pseudonym in email communications with Hillary on her private server, uh, although despite claiming he knew nothing about her private server. Well, that's right. He, he he clearly lied about that. Uh, but I think what he was worried about with these emails, and one of the reasons that he probably sanctioned this sweetheart deal, was that he would be embarrassed on a lot of other things. For instance, Benghazi. What would the emails say about his knowledge of what was happening in Benghazi? Would they reveal that he knew exactly what had happened? Of course. So meanwhile, knowing this and probably... Uh, shown and buttressed by Hillary's emails, he had Susan Rice go on five Sunday morning talk shows and lie through her teeth. Now, she's an extension of Obama, of course. So things like that, we would show that he was lying about these things. Um, And I think it's, and sure, he did lie about not knowing uh, about that Hillary had a private server, uh, but that's the least of his offenses here, I think, that that he was worried about. Uh, I want to move over to Bob Woodward's uh, much-anticipated sequel to uh, his book Fear, which was about Trump and the White House in 2018. This one is called Rage and uh, uh, published just on uh, the 15th of this month. And uh, people making a big stink about uh, revelations in that book regarding uh, you know Trump and uh, downplaying coronavirus and so forth. Just give me your, your impressions of of the book and well, and so forth. Well, as you and I have talked about before, Richard, uh, Woodward was decidedly dishonest in his Watergate reporting where he made his mark, not by 
saying anything flat out that was incorrect, uh, but more by concealment. And he conceals and moves things around and slants them so that while he seemingly is telling the truth, he's really concealing and lying. Now, in this case, his primary charge put down to a nub is that President Trump hid from the American people the lethality or deadliness of the virus. That's the charge. And yet, going back, let me take you through this. Early February, after Trump bans travel and then has a strong statement in the State of the Union, Joe Biden and the other Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, are accusing him of fear-mongering. Now, was the country, the real question is, was the country fooled or lulled into submission thinking this virus was not deadly? Au contraire, because of Trump's action and because of the people under him that were working, the public was well aware of the dangers as a matter so much so that the public health people thought that they were overestimating the lethality, and they were. Remember, when Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown on February 24th, now let's go to February 24th, not a death yet in the country, she is encouraging people to come to Chinatown. Why? Why does she need to do that? Not just for fun, but because the whole country is afraid of the Chinese virus, and they're especially afraid of getting near a Chinese person or eating Chinese food. That's because the country is really on uh, you know, on, on edge. Now, I have in my hands, or I had in my hands right near me, a study that was done by the Stanford uh, School of Medicine, Department of Public Health, commissioned by an international agency, a wonderful study of the attitudes of, of the people, which is an important component of public health. What did the country know about the virus from February 23rd to March 3rd? This is before anything had happened, any, there was any outbreak. First death, February 29th in the nursing home in Seattle. What did the country know? The country thought that the virus would kill 5% of the people it got. And the study criticized it because the public was overestimating the lethality. Because the lethality was then was known as 2%, and the study said, well, really, it's probably under 1% if you take into account asymptomatic and unreported cases, which is true, which is the way it is. So the country overestimated it. The country knew that the, disease, that the problem would come from airborne saliva. They knew that. They knew you were not supposed to touch your eyes, nose, mouth, and so forth. Uh, the country thought masks would help even though the public health community derided that as being false at the time, but they thought masks were good, and the, but, the, but everyone knew about social distancing. Now, this is all before, and the real danger was, as this study shows, is that people were almost too much on edge. They were too worried about it, because that's not good for public health any, either, to, be, to overestimate something. So let me take you through it then. February 29th, the first person dies in Seattle. We're all on edge. March 10, 11 people have died. Trump says, look, just stay calm. He's trying to keep people calm. Stay calm. Maybe this will eventually go away. Maybe he's too optimistic there. But three days later, three days later, March 13th, by that point, there is a run on the supermarkets for, for toilet paper and wipes. And I think water, too, but toilet paper and wipes. Trump declares, Trump declares, Trump declares a uh, national emergency on March 13th. Closes down the cruise lines. Uh, closes down the uh, cruise lines, and uh, uh, um, 
and and uh, the schools and libraries are closed. March fifteenth, he closes down the entire uh, uh, country. Now, New York does not follow suit right away. Uh, they allow bars to serve out on the street. There are these massive gatherings in New York, but Trump has shut things down. So people were not uh, lulled into submission at all. Quite the contrary, and it's the Democrats who were telling people oh, everything's going to be okay, mainly because of their probably their commercial base. So to say that Trump did this is absolutely wrong. And Bob Woodward is committing a cardinal sin of public health by sowing doubt in one of our messengers of public health. Like Trump or not, he is a guy that is a public health messenger. So what do you do? You say, oh, gosh, everything he said was wrong. Well, it's Woodward who's deceiving us once again. It's not Trump. He's the public health deceiver. Woodward is. It is not Trump. And you look back at that record. Now, what was uncertain was the spread, the rate of spread. No one knew what the rate of spread would be. We got no good information from China. We were living in the dark. Anthony Fauci has stated that Trump did said nothing that was incorrect. Fauci was on the record early in March saying, it's too early. We can't do anything yet. We shouldn't panic and shut everything down. That's exactly what Trump was saying. He was on message. And then when things looked like they were going to get bad, we shut everything down. So um, did Trump do anything wrong? No. And is Woodward being deceptive? Yes. More of my conversation with John O'Connor when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I can't stop talking about the pomegranate super tea from my friends at Get The Tea. They actually changed the name. It used to be known as Formula 13 pomegranate cleansing tea, but this gentle cleansing tea now contains a new stronger formula. All I know is it still tastes great, it's still refreshing, and it still provides me with energy and a sense of well-being. This new blend of tea contains some of the same ingredients as those that are in the Life Change teas, but with added natural pomegranate flavor and stevia to give it a natural, slightly sweetened taste. One pouch of tea contains eight tea bags, enough to last for one month. I brew two gallons at a time and then it steeps in cold water. Into the fridge it goes and that's enough to last for the week. I start my day every day with a 16 ounce cool refreshing glass of this amazing herbal, non-GMO, caffeine-free tea. It provides a daily gentle cleanse that rids my body of any intruders. A healthy gut is the key to a healthy body. So. Come on board and find out for yourself. The Super Tea also comes in peppermint. These teas are not available in any store. Use the code UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. Get your tea from GetTheTea.com. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. 
John O'Connor, the author of Postgate, is here, and we were discussing Bob Woodward's book, Rage, the follow-up to fear, Trump in the White House. If it was so explosive, so damning, uh, that that what what Trump was doing by downplaying, as he claims, why would he sit on that information until publication date? Why wouldn't he, you know, be going on all the chat shows saying the president is downplaying this? Well, because he here's what he was downplaying. He was downplaying the panic uh, because people were panicking because it wasn't as though there was some secret that was being withheld from the American public. Quite the contrary. If Woodward were to come out and say, boy, this stuff is deadly, Trump told me it was deadly, well, what I'm telling you is the public already knew that. It's established in spades. There is no doubt about it. For anyone curious enough to look, is I, the guy's name is Geltsetzer. Dr. Geltsetzer conducted this 3,000-person study, and other people talked about the same thing. There was a tremendous panic within the country about this before a death had happened. So... What would have happened if Woodward would have said that's what they're asking now because the mainstream press is so idiotic that they're not even investigating what it was that supposedly was this big, dark secret. If Bob Woodward would have come out in early February and said, boy, this stuff is really lethal. Boy, it's lethal. And Trump's not telling you that. Guess what? What the public would have done is is said, we already know that. We're already scared out of our wits. That's why we're buying wipes and toilet paper. And we're afraid to talk to Chinese people. And that is the truth. That's one of the things that people worried about is the, is the public panicking too much. Right. Trump talked about this in his State of the Union address on February 4. Right. He said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to try to keep you safe. This is a terrible virus, but we're going to try to keep you safe. Do you think he was hiding anything? By the way, I banned travel from China. A little while later, he bans it from Europe. So... The idea that there was something he was hiding that Bob Woodward could have told us is ridiculous. What Woodward did was he waited long enough so that not only is there an election, but in the miasma of memory, we don't remember exactly the timing of what we knew when. And so people want to latch onto this thing. Oh, Trump didn't tell us something. Just not true. It's just not true. Uh, but and the, know, and the Democrats, right? Yeah. And, and and the Democrats uh, apparently were so upset or, or so worried about it that they were wrapped up in impeachment hearings rather than rallying around the flag and 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 trying to, uh, you know, to help the situation. Right. In March 9th, there's a really good clip of Biden at a rally on March 9th going around hugging people. This is when everybody knows that social distancing is what you should be doing, and that large gatherings were not a good idea. We already knew this before we shut down the country. So there's a great clip. There are great clips of Biden going out in his uh, one of his rallies and just hugging everybody as he always does, and uh, and he seems to be and, and and like you say, Nancy Nancy Pelosi also. So they were more concerned about impeaching Trump than protecting the country, and they bet tried to say that Trump was trying to uh, uh, distract attention from his impeachment by this stupid fear-mongering on this virus. Now the story flips. Now the messaging is completely different. We all, let's forget about the impeachment. Let's forget about what we were saying. Let's forget about what the Democrats were saying. By the way, de Blasio and Cuomo were really big on keeping New York open. They thought this was just terrible. After Trump shuts down the country, de Blasio tells everybody to go to bars. I encourage you to go to bars. He said it on March 15th after Trump had declared a national emergency two days later, three days later. 
before, before, I'm sorry, three days before. So the hypocrisy, of course, is terrible, and everything relies on uh, the American public having the memory of chipmunks, uh, you know, and, and if you go to CNN and MSNBC, it's just a bunch of hysteria without any analysis. What did we know? What did we think? What is public health? What did public health officials know about the spread? We knew nothing about how fast it would spread. We were fearful as heck that it would spread, and the, but we knew if it did spread, it would be lethal as anything. And we knew that too much. The public overestimated the lethality. And remember, there was also a study that came out of Imperial College with a guy named Neil Ferguson. Yes, who's been wrong about everything. (laughs) And he's been wrong about everything. But he said there'd be six million deaths in the country. And this is before there was any appreciable deaths here in the country. So were we panicking? Did we think we were all going to die? Did we think if we touched a package? My God, I wouldn't touch a newspaper. You know, I'd go out and I have gloves on and get my newspaper and you know, doing all this stuff. And we were wiping and putting this stuff on our hands. Uh, and, and that's good. It's fine to be overly concerned. But if anything, the country was overly concerned about the lethality, un- unknown about the rate of spread. And that's all that Trump and Fauci were trying to assess. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for this, why panic people? If you if if it's not right to shut down the government, the best thing you can do is say, "Hey, be careful. Watch yourself. Uh, you know, be careful." But you know, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to do business as usual. Right. Hopefully, we will. Well, the the and result. Even, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say the result of Woodward's book has been. Uh, 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 well, Trump's approval rating has has started to to grow. So it, it, the people are basically saying, "We don't care." Uh, we don't want to hear any more about it. But it does beg the question: Why Trump gave Woodward so much access? Uh, he even encouraged, you know, members of his cabinet to speak to him. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I think he got bad advice. Number one, he's very thin-skinned about publicity. Woodward had tried to kill him in um, the first one in fear, and of course, there's little. Um, uh, he should have known that 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 was a bust. That book was a bust. But his buddy, Lindsey Graham, they say, talked him into it. Now, I know Lindsey somewhat, and uh, he's a good guy, but he always tries to sort of, um, you know, play both ends against the middle. And I'm sure he wanted to ingratiate himself with Woodward. This is my speculation, and I like Lindsey Graham. But I think he probably tried to ingratiate himself with Woodward. Woodward's got a lot of power because he can make or break people, and you don't want him coming after you. So he talked Trump into doing this. Trump, uh, I think, thought that somehow it would help him. I don't know how he ever thought that it would help him. He's even quoted to Woodward, even quoted to Woodward, I think you're probably going to screw me. And in the end, you're going to write a lousy book. <laughs> and he's right, was right on both accounts. But why did he talk to him? It's really silly. Uh, you know, now I think this thing is like literary cotton candy. Uh, Richard, I've, I've read as much as I can. I got the book in front of me, but I haven't started it. Uh, I've read everything I could about the about the uh, quotes, and usually Woodward is known to really put his best stuff out there, and he's all the good stuff's out there. The Wall Street Journal did a uh, review of it yesterday, and basically saying this was a whole hummer because unlike other Woodward books, he doesn't have other people really speaking on the record to any extent. It's really all about Trump and. It's really a nothing book. Um, so 
we've had enough. I mean, this is a president who we've heard probably more than any other president in history. Uh, much of it to our own distraction. And we, even if supporters would say, you know, shut up for a while. Uh, you know, just do your job. You're doing a good job. Just be, don't, don't talk all the time. Um, so uh, it was it was really silly for him to do this. It was a, an unforced error, as many things Trump does uh, are unforced errors. So you just got to take the good with the bad. The bad with the good, I should say. All right. Well, as I say, it seems to have uh, done, had little uh, impact on the electorate. Uh, his uh, his aggregate poll numbers continue to rise. His popular uh, or his approval rating continues to rise, and things are tightening up in the uh, in the swing states. So, uh, let's move on. Uh, I wanted to get the latest uh, your latest thoughts on uh, the Steele dossier and wh- where we're at with that. Well. I just hope you notice that one of Durham's assistants just quit on the theory that there was too much pressure to get something out too quick. Um, that I read is uh, this way. I think she probably quit because she's probably, I'm just guessing is an anti-Trump partisan. Uh, and you know, Durham, unlike Mueller does not try to staff his, uh, himself with just uh, partisans. His, uh, and so I think she probably didn't want to see an indictment. So she probably, so I see that it's a good sign. Uh, I see that as a good sign uh, that she quit because it means that something's coming. Um, so that's, that's good. Now, uh, what do I think? I'm looking at this and I've been trying to study the Horowitz report more and more to see where the vulnerabilities are. And I think this guy, Joe Pienka, uh, who was the, they call him the supervising special agent. And he's criticized by Horowitz. Uh, he's out here in San Francisco now. who's sort of disappeared him. So I think he's vulnerable. I think McCabe's vulnerable. I think there's a fellow named Case Agent One. I don't know who he is that didn't report things. And uh, he's vulnerable as well. The real question in my mind, one question is whether somebody like Kleinsmith will roll over on anybody about what he did. Is he going to stay tough or is he going to roll over and hope that somebody gives him mercy? I'm afraid that the support system for uh, the anti-Trump people is stronger than the support system on the other side. And he may decide he's going to stay tough and gut it out. Uh, But I do think something's coming. I think Comey's going to escape. I think he's too high up. Uh, I think Brennan will escape because he didn't have anything to do with the FISA process, as as nasty as his conduct was. Uh, But there were so many omissions and concealments from in that uh, in the FISA process that it's it's nauseating. All right. Uh, how do we get a copy of Postgate? Well, the best way to do it, Richard, is to go uh, either on Amazon.com under Postgate or my site, postgatebook.com. What I've got on that site is I've got um, a number of my op-eds that tie in the dishonesty in Watergate to our present sad state of media bias and lying, really. Uh, and so you see today the chickens are coming home to roost from Watergate. 
this is all we've got is we've got a, a partisan press out there that's not telling us the truth. But it all started in Watergate. We got rid of a president on the basis of false reporting. It worked. Journalists showed how powerful they were. They can destroy a king. And that's what Woodward's trying to do today. Let me say this about Woodward's book. I think one of the things that Woodward's book does today as he's trying to destroy Trump is he reminds us that the things we are doing now, which are nice, sensible, safe things to do, even though we've got to protect ourselves, why weren't nail salons open five months ago? Why do we have to wait until now? It looks like, if anything, the whole society overreacted because of the fear monitoring and that what Trump did was really probably, and as he's yelling on April 15th that we got to open up the country, uh, the Democrats were all criticized. And now he looks pretty good on it. So I think you're right. Your comments about his approvals going up, I think it's precisely because of Woodward calling attention to this whole thing. Anyway, postgatebook.com would, would do it. And... Uh, uh, I'd love uh, I'd love your audience to take a look at it because I think it'll inform them as to what's going on in the world today. Always a pleasure, John. Thank you so much. Richard, great talking to you. Take care. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a moment to fill you in on an upcoming episode. One tablespoon of ESS-60 from C60 Evo helps keep me pain-free, energized, and mentally focused. And I'm sleeping so much better since I started taking ESS-60 back in November. ESS-60 is the consumable form of C60, the miracle molecule discovered by Nobel Prize-winning chemists in the 1990s. ESS-60 is a mega antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. Check out the Paris study, a peer-reviewed scientific study online, where ESS-60 suspended in olive oil was fed to rats. The rats fed ESS-60 lived almost twice their normal lifespan. I can't sit here and tell you I'm going to live to be 112, but I'm 56 and I haven't felt this youthful, energized, and pain-free since I was in my 20s. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. If you want to discover the benefits of this amazing miracle molecule for yourself, go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link for c60evo.com. And don't forget to use the code RS1SPEC when ordering and you'll receive an additional 5% off. ESS-60, the miracle molecule from C60 Evo. It's changed my life discover what it can do for you. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to cure, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, a return visit from author-researcher Stephen Harris and our ongoing series on America's secret history and how the deep state, the Fed, The JFK, MLK, and RFK assassinations led to Donald Trump's presidency. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need...
we need constant petting. 